Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Kayla McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. Well, hello there, everyone. This is Austin Cook, and welcome to today's episode of the Internet World Order podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Caleb McLemore, and today, today, I'm sure that you probably saw this coming, but we are going to get it out of the way, and we're going to talk about it, and that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Snyder Cut not only was real, it got released. It was, and I know a lot of you guys out there are like, well, it was never real because they didn't finish the VFX. Well, they had an assembly cut and they had the ability to release it. So that's, it's hard to be like, release the completely edited VFX touched up color graded version of the Snyder cut. It doesn't really catch on as well. I'm teasing, yeah. of course, but because <laughs> you guys are partially right. The thing is, this movie, I can't, I still can't believe that it's like actually out in existence because for me, I wasn't really one of the people who like legitimately bought into the whole release the Snyder cut thing because I just didn't think it would happen. (laughs) Like I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm a naysayer, but I was like the odds of it occurring are extremely unlikely mainly just because it would have such a drastic impact on one of Warner brothers biggest like IPs that they have. And if it did really well or if it did better, I feel like they would have been kind of harassed or kind of dunked on a little bit and been like, well, why didn't you like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you do that? And like they kind of push back on it for a little bit. And there's a lot of circumstances surrounding this movie. Like just it's not only it's production, but like what happened with Zack Snyder. That's like really sad. And for me, I'm kind of glad that this got released simply because I'm glad that he got to complete something that meant a lot to him emotionally and from a personal level. Like, I'm sure that this is really gratifying. Oh, I'm sure. And for people that are kind of like, maybe you're sitting there, sitting there thinking to yourself, like, why is this a big deal? Look, I was one of those people like, like, kind of like you also like i wasn't a huge like bring the snyder cut because my mentality was how different could it honestly be yeah because like <laughs> what is it just like a few like it's, it's it i mean i was like at best case scenario maybe it's kind of like the extended versions of like lord of the rings where you get a bunch of scenes added in that they had to cut down for the sake of time i had no idea apparently it's a completely different movie it's crazy. And, and I know a lot of people were like, it's the same movie, just four hours long. Well, number one, that makes me think that you haven't seen the movie because yeah. number one, you are wrong. <laughs> like, wow, it is completely different. Like the plot points themselves are similar because, you know, this is the movie that Snyder created and they took bits and pieces of it and basically kind of made like this collection of films. Well, okay, I misspoke. Like just a collection of bits and pieces of a movie and then tried to make something out of it. They Frankensteined it basically. So the plot itself is mildly similar in terms of the direction. 
However, the entire backstory of the plot and the characters, it, it, it's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I even, mean, the, oh my gosh. Yeah. And like just the very first, the obvious thing we have to point out, Dark Side's actually in it. He's not just mentioned in a throwaway line that if you're not listening, you'll miss it. Like in the previous version, he is front and center. He is, even though Steppenwolf is like, he is like the main antagonist in terms of like the one that interacts with everybody, but they make it very clear. He's serving the actual major threats. Yeah. And, or in, as the movie points out, he's actually trying to re earn his, uh, his status because he's basically been disgraced and uh yeah that alone makes it a different movie Mm -hmm. because the original movie made it seem like oh well steppenwolf is just salty about the fact he lost earth so like he's angry or something (laughs) versus this one is like no steppenwolf is like trying to repay maybe i'm wrong did they ever actually mention what he did that anger dark side so much they didn't mention specifically because i think it was more of just intended to be implied like maybe he tried to take control like maybe he wanted to have power of apocalypse but they don't specifically state what it is that is the issue with stefan yeah. wolf and dark side but i think the big part of it is like number one stefan wolf is afraid of dark side number yeah. two i think everyone's that- afraid of dark side it, it could also be wrong. It it could also be a lie created by Desaad because if we're being completely honest, like number one, Desaad wasn't even in the original version of the movie, and now he plays a decently prevalent role in this. Yeah, he is kind of a tattletale. I mean, do you, are you shocked that in a tier that in a dictatorship you have snitches? No, of course not. It's just he's the biggest snitch of them all. And yeah. the we, the funny thing about this is like we only got like one partial sliver of Steppenwolf's original character. And as I'm sure you guys will become aware as you listen to this podcast, I was not a big fan of the original Steppenwolf because to me, he was a big gray nothing in the original. And he just would talk about mother and mother boxes and that he needed to make them together. Why? We never find out. There's no explanation. Yeah. He is just, I'm bad guy. Yeah, which is strange because it's like, because here's the thing. A lot of people were initially confused. I mean, <laughs> it, we're going to be kind of not talking in circles, but just keep everything we're saying works together. So just, just keep up with us. Um, people were confused when Seven Wolf was in, initially announced as like the villain because also, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Are you aware of how many issues in the entirety of DC's history Steppenwolf has actually been in? Not very many. 80. Wow. That's, that's n- it. That's nothing. That's, <laughs> that's out of uh, the entirety of DC. I'm not saying like Golden Age or New 52 or Rebirth. All 80 plus years of DC. So out of tens of thousands of comics, he's been in 80. That's disturbingly low. It's <laughs> yeah. really bad. Like oh. you, he like, has more character in this though. Number one, he has more character in this than he did in the original version by a million miles. I actually had some sympathy for him. Like, even though he's like kind of a genocidal alien, the way that they I would, know. the way that, yeah, I know, but the way that they would <laughs> paint his motivations, a lot of that comes from the fact that he's trying so desperately hard to impress dark side. That's like, yes. And that, 
a lot of where that like absolute rage fueled drive comes from is from his ability to be like, look, I'm doing the right thing. Nephew, are you happy with me? And yeah, that's kind of because they do the acting from CR and Hens in this movie is way better this time around because they allowed for more emotion this time. Cause before it was just like, I am evil. And then in this one, he had like the sad puppy dog eyes when he just wanted to go home. <laughs> yeah. And especially when like, uh, he's like, I, you know, I've come to earth. I, and I found the boxes. He's like, have you found the others? Well, not not yet it's like then you're still a failure yeah (laughs) dude everyone bullied steppenwolf and even justice league they beat the crap out of him while he's trying so hard he's fighting for his life to be be fair (laughs) only a only dark side himself is going to go up against the justice league and be like try me uh yeah i know it's just funny because steppenwolf is like fighting desperately to like just complete his mission and he's just getting stomped on by Superman. Spoiler alert. Superman comes back to life in this, but I'm sure that that's <laughs> common knowledge. <laughs> I just like, they're just destroying him. They're just like, uh, 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 and seven wolves like, please don't embarrass me <laughs> in front of dad. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so brutal to watch. Like, but it's, it's, it's six V one or five since cyber was doing his thing. 5v1 and the five people you're going against are stupidly strong and they were also mostly holding their own too it's just a matter of things going wrong and them eventually kind of getting broken down because they couldn't all defeat him and he's fighting for his life and then the funny thing i think we'll talk about this later but like if superman had shown up and then it had all gone tragically wrong which i mean spoiler it kind of did but (laughs) But not because of him not because of him. We'll we'll talk about that, but we're not going to cover every single plot point of this movie because unless you've been living under a rock, this is a four hour movie. <laughs> this movie is long. And yep. I think the reason, you know what bothered me a little bit though, when some people talk about saying that this movie is too long, because it is long, but I don't think it's too long in terms of just overall length. You know what my right. problem is? What? <sighs> Endgame was three hours. Yeah, and I i mean, I'll call on my friend again. Uh, Paul, you watched that movie 17 times. Which, thank you, Paul, for going out there and supporting something you care about. I'm not being no, that's why, ironic. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not, not being ironic. <laughs> no, no, I'm not mocking in that. I'm like, whatever. If you, that, if that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. I just want to give him some praise. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I got no issue with it. But I'm just like, if you're willing to do that, then four hours ain't much. Yeah. And honestly, like, I think a lot of people were more concerned about it because they're like, they have reservations about Snyder's work, which, you know, he's not for everyone. And I say that as someone who does genuinely like most of his work, I think people were just concerned because they didn't like the first one. They're like, oh, it's going to be different. And well, <laughs> you're going to have to watch it because clearly there's two hours extra of something that could be completely game changing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like entire characters that were cut, like actually getting to see JK Simmons as commissioner Gordon and things like that, dude. And like, we can go ahead and talk about that. Cause people already have probably seen articles or whatever, like, uh, you know, Martian Manhunter is in this. Right. Like a lot of the secrets were revealed because we never thought that we were going to get this movie. (laughs) 
Yeah. And well, when he, the thing that I didn't know though, and I guess, cause I kind of kept in the dark about it when he changed back into like the military guy, I forget the name of the guy, uh, Harry Lennox, uh, general Swanwick. Yeah. And when I saw, it, I was like, Oh, that means John has been around since man of steel. Right. Why didn't he help? What? <laughs> well, he, that's, that's the very final scene kind of talked about that. Yeah, well, you know what? You still have the power to help, you lazy alien. But <laughs> he's like, man, I should do something. Well, like, what if what if it had all gone wrong? Or you'd just been like, darn, I guess I'll just die. <laughs> well, it also made me think of like, well, that was always the guy in the military that was kind of always vouching for Superman. Yeah. Makes more sense now. Right. And I think it was the plan. But like, again, like, I think Snyder's overall strength lies in like his visual beautiful shots that he makes in the overall like he has a good idea of like general plots for the most part but i definitely (laughs) think his strength lies in the visual end of it with cinematography and color grading and direction and action scene like choreography than it does in like the little nitty-gritty details of writing now with that being said he also does add a lot of details that come straight from the comics. This man does oh, love yeah. comics. I'm just going to like, a lot of people are like, he doesn't understand these characters. And I was like, you have to understand these quarters. Ew quarters. You have to understand these characters. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That's funny. You have to understand these characters to an extent in order to be able to present them in a completely different fashion while maintaining what makes them special. And yeah, I'm I mean, not saying that I, he's, I, you know, um, an absolute maestro, but hear me out. Right. <laughs> And Caleb, what were you going to say? Uh, like they mentioned the, uh, the, the anti-life equation for dark side. I wasn't expecting them to bring that up. Whoa, I know. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, I mean, you, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like you have to be like, you know, super like own 5,000 comics. Cause dark side will bring it up within five minutes of you talking to him. Yeah. But, no, um, nobody, nobody, absolutely nobody dark side anti-life equation (laughs) yeah i mean but the fact they actually brought that up versus being like he's an evil dictator so of course he wants the earth like no he wants the earth for a specific reason he wants yeah he wants to control everything because he feels that it's his birthright as a new god to take over and use his power to fulfill his purposes which elaborates more on his he's not just i am evil and like a lot of people are like well He's just so one note. He's not like Thanos. Well, guys, let's be honest with ourselves. They change Thanos a lot. <laughs> I know. Like, 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 go ahead and like, if you say that, do you want comic book accurate Thanos that wiped out not half the humanity, all of humanity, because he was trying to date Lady Death? It's not as it's not as cool. So <laughs> that's that's just my opinion. I personally. The thing with like Thanos, like I like the changes they made to Thanos because it made him a much more interesting character. What makes Darkseid interesting is that he is so ruthlessly cold and evil, but there's a motivation because he literally is like the definition of an evil god complex. Yes. And, and yeah, go ahead. Oh, I mean, and this is something they could have explored in more movies or if they ever, because I, I heard rumors on and off they want to make a new gods movie. Yeah, Which, well, Ava DuVarney was attached to it. I think she's still working on the script because Warner Brothers is probably trying to plan out exactly what they want to do. Right. And the thing is, too, is like, because there's a really powerful moment, I think, in the Superman animated series or the Justice League series. But 
where Superman beats Darkseid and he's laying on the ground in Apocalypse, just utterly defeated. And the people come over and they start to pick him up and dr- and carry him to go get help. And Superman's just sitting there going, what are y'all doing? You're free now. I've beaten this man. You can, you don't have to be ruled underneath him. And Darkseid just goes, to you, I'm a dictator. To these people, I am their God. And it's just like, that's so crazy. <laughs> that's such a wild line. <laughs> I know. I was like, which is crazy. I got put to a kid's cartoon. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I conquered your planet and it was the worst day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had to do it to him. So <laughs> I, number one, the guy that they chose for it is actually a great voice actor. He does a lot of audiobook narration too. And he shows up in a few of these scenes. Like, I think he's one of the knights who helped like bury the mother box or like craft like the shell for the mother box is Ray Porter. So mm-hmm. another cool thing that I really like about Snyder's movies is that he gets people who are kind of like, not necessarily like A-list celebrities or like newer people. I mean, like Ray Fisher, like Batman versus Superman technically was his first ever movie, his cameo. And then Justice League was supposed to be his big debut. And I think he'd been in like theater. He'd been in some TV. So this was like his big break for him. And I honestly don't blame his frustration (laughs) with the weed and cut of the movie because he had no character development and no arc in the original movie. And in this one, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, they literally explain everything about him, like what he does, the extent of his powers, and like his dynamic with his father and his mom. And like, Wait, yeah, I, I have an emotional was- attachment to Cyborg Story because I, I know what it's like to sometimes, you know, like have frustration. Well, I, I mean, for a lot of people, like you've probably gone through ups and downs with your parents. So like seeing his story is just very emotional and oh, yeah, easy to relate to. Yeah. They, they did a pretty amazing job, like handling it out, but also like how they found middle ground and how, you know, like they came to have their closure and, you know, like find comfort with each other in one way, shape or form. And yeah, I can't believe that they cut that out of the original movie. I'm just going to keep saying it. I don't get no, it. That, that, will, that will be something you hear us say. I mean, for however long this episode ends up being, yeah. you're going to hear us say over and over again, why did they cut that? <sighs> and actually, the, the cyborg scenes, some we mentioned when we were kind of just, you know, talking before we recorded. This, watching the Snyder Cut, just confirms to me, and of course it's easy you know, one, since I don't, I'm not investing millions of dollars of my own money or having the pressure of having to write or direct, it's easy for me to say this, but what they should have done, uh, if they're, if you're going to go with the whole like man of steel, then Donna justice, then wonder woman, you should have done the, you should have had Aquaman and cyborg have their own movies, then do justice league. Cause yeah. then those scenes that they had in the Snyder cut, you could have kept them. Heck, could, could have kept them beat for beat. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I and mean, then kind of, yeah. there's parts of it that you would have had to have changed because Cyborg would have already gone through his arc. And right. I, I feel like you, I agree with you mostly because it would make it easier for audiences to like become more familiar with these characters. And then the other part of me is like, but then again, what's going to happen, happen to him after? And like, you know, how are they all going to kind of come together and, 
it's this weird balance between like, you know, like I like what we have, but I also feel like maybe it would have been stronger if you'd done it this way. Again, it's a big risk and you're also dealing with a lot of pressure and a lot of money. This yeah. is, these people are not cheap that. movies to make. <laughs> people forget that of like, when people are like, well, why would they, like, why don't they just do like, especially my favorite. And please, if you, if you say this unironically, <laughs> just know I'm judging you. Um, if you, when people will sit there and go, well, you know, fan theories make better plots. Oh, eat me. I'm so- fan <laughs> theories don't have to deal with millions of dollars. And like, you're just saying the pressure of having to make a movie. Yeah. You guys are literally just coming up with ideas. And you know what? To be fair, sometimes fan ideas are good. I, yeah, there's a different, yeah. you can listen. There's a give and take. Right. And you know, I'm not going to crap on people here because there are definitely good writers and good creatives out there who love this and pitch out ideas that are good. But how is the studio going to hear you? And number one, how are they going to trust you with this? How are they going to credit yeah. you with this? They're basically working within their own private network of people that, you know, have shown return of investment or have shown that they have the ability to carry something like this. And no offense to fans, but we really don't have that kind of stock to just be like, just trust us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's like that Simpsons episode where the fans wrote a itchy and scratchy episode and it was terrible. Cause it was just all over the place. Cause there's like 50 plots and none of them resolved. And you know what? <laughs> good ideas do not always equate to good thought out stories. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's easy to come up with like, let's just do that. Okay. How mm-hmm. do you get there? Yeah. And it's hard enough uh, to come up with a good idea. It's even harder to come up with a story that can really benefit that good idea. And that's why you hear sometimes like with movies that like you get hype about and then you're disappointed because it doesn't take full like potential of the plot. And you're like, well, that was a great idea, but I'm so let down by that. It happens. And with fans who don't, they have good ideas, but they don't have all this like coming forth of like, this is what like, you know, will really kind of continue the story. And sometimes I'm wrong because there are people who do write out full blown like stories with arcs and everything like that. And if that's what you do with your free time, welcome to the club, because that's what I do too. (laughs) As a writer, I literally do the same thing. So (laughs) I get where you're coming from, but like you're saying, Caleb pressure. Yeah. Though, uh, I won't, I'll do one second. You talk about cyborg as well. The other character, I definitely well two, but one obviously got way more focused than the other since one of them would then have a solo movie right after this. Is uh good old Barry Allen, the mm-hmm. Flash. Yep. Cause I mean a stark difference. I mean, he was still the young kid that was making jokes because he was nervous, because he's like, I'm like 19, I'm basically fighting with gods. What? <laughs> and what do uh, exactly so like and that's fine you need that character mm-hmm. but just the way they fleshed him out more i liked and two the other thing i like that he was the only one really cracking jokes like that and not everyone was yeah not batman going oh something's definitely bleeding or you do talk to fish right oh yeah i could feel yeah. the pain in his voice when they made him say those lines <laughs> yeah it's just because writing good dialogue for characters includes understanding the character and not just being funny. Because like a lot of yeah. those quips by themselves could potentially be funny, but when you give them to characters that don't have that kind of personality, it's very strange. 
And with Flash, I think they overdid it a little in the in the original cut with like the whole brunch joke. Like, what yeah. is brunch? You you basically are waiting in line for an hour to get what is essentially lunch. Yeah, I know, and it's just I, I'm to your point, like with Batman, like uh, the way they had him delivering lines in the Snyder cut that were funny. It was delivered the way Batman would actually say them, which yeah. is de- dead, almost deadpan. Like he's not trying to be funny. You just kind of sit there and go, like that. Just let's say having Barry be like, to your point of like, it was way too much when it came to like him just doing like little one liners and quips and because it's like there's a place for that, but there's too much. And then like uh, Batman delivering them like deadpan, to where you just kind of like you you laugh because you're not. It's almost like he's not aware he's being funny, mm-hmm. and especially since I've been rewatching the animated series, that's that's how he works. Like Alfred yeah. even sits there and goes, "Was that a joke?" <laughs> and he's like, uh, "I do not know." <laughs> exactly. I was like I humor. What is humor? My parents like are example, dead. Alfred, don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're an like, old man. An example, <laughs> the example I still use, like well, two examples. One, like I said, when they see Steppenwolf when he's interrogating people and Flash just goes, so that's the big bad, yeah? And Batman's just like, good guess. Good guess, Barry. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's such a that's good funny. <laughs> and, oh. and, the, and, the other, and the other one, we, we can then talk about how much I love uh, Alfred, which is when they first come up to him and everyone's like, who's he? It's like, oh, this is Alfred. I work for him. Uh, I another thing about this movie I love how much sassier Alfred is throughout the whole thing like when he's like yeah when Batman was like yeah Aquaman said no and then Alfred was like oh well it's probably hard for you to make friends because you just sit up in in your uh, in your cave brooding all day something along that line and I was like damn yeah (laughs) Alfred is best Alfred He's past the whole like I need to keep this job thing. <laughs> yeah, because you could the way he badgered him too was very much like a what are you gonna do? Fire me? Right. Like who else are you gonna have? <laughs> like, I know your secret, Batman. <laughs> yeah, and who else is gonna help make your stuff and patch you together when you're torn to shreds because you're just a normal guy? Right. Which by the way, how did he build that entire bat cave and all those other things by himself? Money, I don't know. I like, I mean, did he kill everyone who worked on it? <laughs> like, because this Batman like a, would. <laughs> well, I would like to think he has his own version of like the men in black, like neuralizer. Yeah, the, the court of owls. That would be an interesting twist. Uh, right? <laughs> oh, but, gosh. Um, but, but yeah, like, I just like the back and forth. Like, it reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight, which I know Christopher Nolan was a producer on this. Yeah. That makes sense. Played a role. Like, guaranteed. <laughs> absolutely. He was just like, oh yeah, because Christian Bell and Michael Caine, like their chemistry was great. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm sure he probably told Snyder, like, make sure they have that chemistry because people eat that up. And we do. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, you have a killer cast too. It's not like they had people who are like, oh gosh, I'm so worried. I mean, like the only person, and this was kind of unfairly too, but like I think a lot of people were initially worried about Gal Gadot because like she didn't have as extensive as like an acting thing. Well, that's not entirely fair. Henry, Henry Cavill wasn't like an a list star when he got cast as Superman. I think like a lot of people are like, okay, we'll see. 
And, you know, one of the big patterns of the entire DCEU is that they put a lot of trust in new people. And she did great. Like, she was really great. But, like, then you have Jeremy Irons, who was literally Scar <laughs> like, for his big role that most people would recognize. But he's been in, he's been in Shakespeare productions. He, this man's been in everything. And then oh, you yeah, have Ben yeah. Affleck. You have Jesse Eisenberg, who was on a roll for a long time and generally yeah, did deserve the the praise that he received. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually, I know his, his portrayal of Luther didn't have a lot of scenes. I'll just say only like the one big scene at the end. Mm-hmm. But the way he played it, I kind of sat there, especially when he looked at Deathstroke, which this is not a spoiler, because if you've seen the original movie, you're aware of all of We're not telling you anything new. But when he guys looked at him and, you know, and uh, Slade just goes, oh, we do have something to toast. He looks at him and goes, good boy. It's like, oh, that's Luther. Right. I, I honestly think that they had a plan for how he was acting and how he acted in Batman v Superman was actually like a major facet of where they're going with it. Because like, I understand why people don't like his original performance. <laughs> I, I, he, I do. He acted more like Riddler than he did like Luther, to be fair. No, 100%. That, that's one of the the kind of like criticisms of the original Batman v Superman that I understand because it is weird yeah. <laughs> and it's weird having a Luther who's younger than almost everyone in the cast and yeah. younger than Batman by a lot too, which is really weird. But when I look at it from a bigger context of like, Oh, this is because he's like literally just young and neurotic and like desperately insecure. I get it a little bit more, but it's still jarring because it's not the character that you've known in any capacity. Well, and I think he is, but in a very different manner. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, because I think that's where, and we've talked about this before with like the Marvel movies of, they grabbed a lot of characters that didn't have a whole lot of like previous stuff, like Iron Man and Thor, Cap. I mean, of the original MCU people, Hulk had the most because of the Lou Ferrigno series. And with DC, it's like we've seen so many portrayals of Luther, both animated live action and they've been varying degrees of good or bad and so there, there's there's a standard there and there's a there's like a certain thing that people are expecting to see the moment you say this is Lex Luthor they, they have a picture in their head of what he should look like and act like yeah and instead we got an amazing score for him which i love <laughs> i think oh, his, his theme is amazing his theme is one of the best things about the dceu in general it is perfect and scary and mm-hmm. having him play a limited role in this it was interesting scene because i didn't realize that that was something that snyder filmed was his whole thing where he breaks out of arkham with like a double and yeah. then you know they're on the yacht absolutely wild <laughs> mm-hmm. i he had a better sense of the character. And I think it was because he'd been to Arkham. He'd experienced a lot and he had kind of experienced a more emotionally calm way of handling with his emotions and being able to like balance that. It's really fascinating, like looking at just the difference, but with the same director too. And then realizing you're like, Oh, they had a plan. Yeah. And I think that's the other big thing that I learned from this movie besides constantly saying, why did they cut that scene was sitting there going, Oh, 
Snyder had a plan. He did. And I think a lot of people kind of knee-jerk reacted to everything. And he was like, just calm down. <laughs> well, they've been knee-jerk reacting since Man of Steel. They, yeah, DC fans, and this is as someone who is a DC fan. DC fans tend to overreact a little bit when something's not just exactly the way that they would hope that it would be. And yeah. I'm saying that as someone who, again, has been a DC fan their entire life. I understand that there's an emotional attachment to these characters because I've been there through all of this. I've been there with all the series. I've been there watching all this stuff with you. I found a way to read the comics. I still remember when my dad brought me home a bunch of Flash comics from a garage sale that he got for like six bucks. It means a lot to me too. But (laughs) we have a tendency to overreact. And I think that's why a lot of people are so upset with the whole Snyder Cut movement. Because there are people inside of the movement, and this is, I'm just going to say this, it's, it shouldn't be shocking to you. Every fandom in existence has a toxic minority of people who are very vocal. Absolutely. Star, I mean, Star Wars, I'm looking at you. And if you get offended Some by that. bigger than others. If you get offended by me saying that Star Wars has toxic people in the fandom, you're probably one of them because if you aren't, then you're like, Oh yeah, no, that's totally like, I agree with that. It's frustrating. But if you're like, well, you just hate Star Wars. It's like, Oh, well I found him (laughs) or I found him or her. Like it's ridiculous. Every single fandom in existence and it's frustrating and it's annoying, but it's also part of life because you literally cannot control everyone who chooses to like something alongside you. And especially in the world where your money speaks and not your personality when it comes to what gets produced. Yep. That, that's just how it's going to roll. And it sucks because there were a lot of people in the movement who were terrible people and who I'm trying to find the right word without, you know, getting us that explicit label <laughs> were <laughs> just douchebags and, yeah. you know, harassed people. And granted, like a lot of what came with this was kind of pushing it a little bit. Like, you know, it was cool. Like when people rented out a plane to fly that over like Comic-Con, like that's funny. I, (laughs) that wasn't quite so bad. Calling Warner Brothers and harassing people who answer the phone. Most of the people who don't even have the decision-making ability because it's just people working in the offices who have to put up with it. And they're getting hurt. Like release the Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut. Like, yeah, there was a lot of collateral damage on top of this. for those that remember, when you go full Mass Effect 3, oh god. You've messed up. <laughs> oh yikes. And I understand your passion. I do. So, if you are part of the release of Snyder Cut movement, I am going to assume that you're probably one of those people who shared the hashtag and were just excited and you wanted to see Snyder complete his version of the movie and you wanted to see him finish his vision. That is what I'm going to assume because I like to see the best in people. Now, <laughs> with that in mind, I don't think it's wrong to say that there are a lot of people who fairly said, well, this, like, how can I get behind this when the vocal toxic part of this is just so frustrating to listen to and just like turns on everyone who is like, well, I don't really know if I care much for this movie or I don't really know if I want to see this. And they're like, well, you don't understand the cinematic masterpiece and you're stupid. You're an idiot. And Granted, that's a problem with a lot of film in general is film Twitter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> film Twitter. I, 
I know you, you lost know. me at Twitter. <laughs> I know. Well, but film Twitter just in general is where a lot of people spend their time. Like we've oh, lost sure. the ability to talk about movies rationally. subjectively and rationally. And if you guys are like, God, he's going down a rabbit hole. I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm not trying to be patronizing, but this is just kind of, it's part of the story of this movie. And yeah it's a big deal because Zack Snyder himself has proven that he is a very good man. And as far as we can see, you know, I obviously don't know the guy super well, but the amount of interviews that he's done, the amount of times he's gone out of his way to thank fans or ways to reward fans, the way that he talks about his movies and the people that he works with. He's very professional. He's very kind. He's very generous. He also worked on this for free. He didn't receive any money for finishing this movie. Right. So to me, that shows that he's number one, passionate about it. Number one, he just wanted to create the best possible experience for people to see. But yeah. So with all this, um, <laughs> wow, getting that off my chest, it's all, and if you wonder like why we got on, on that thing is it's just once again, something like this actually getting released. Uh-huh. And also well, one, like I said, finding out it's a whole different movie. Like I said, normally, like I said, at the beginning of this, you would think it'd be like a few extra, maybe some deleted scenes, or maybe it's like, you know, 30 minutes longer or something. And no one expected it to be this. Oh, where not at all. <laughs> you like entire characters that were not involved, included, like finding about Martian Manhunter, getting everything fleshed out with Cyborg, getting things more fleshed out with Flash. Like that initial, like when he's at the pet shop trying to get a job and he saves the girl from uh-huh. the crash was mm-hmm. amazing it is a great scene it it's, goes on a a little long for me but i still love that scene and that's one of those, like if, if we got this version originally they probably would have shortened that a little bit for time's sake a lot of this but, movie would have been trimmed and there's certain scenes that definitely would have been cut out because no spoilers there is a scene where there's a scene where like wonder woman and alfred talk about making tea does yeah, not play a factor cute. <laughs> yeah, it's cute, but it, it's like you could go without that. It's I'm glad they filmed it because it is kind of cute, but it's one of those things I'd like to watch as like a deleted scene on the Blu-ray. And I, I do that's fair. I do like they had that moment though. What was it? Um and it's a weird sentence to say out loud. When Flash and Cyborg were digging Superman's body out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um great scene, by the way. <laughs> oh no, it is. It, well, because one, they expanded it because in, in the initial one, they're just kind of joking of being like yeah, we're kind of basically them being like, are we kind of, are we the bad guys for doing this? We're kind of literally grave robbing. <laughs> what they do with this one is like flash is sitting there talking about like how much Superman means to him. He's the reason he even wants to be a hero. And even cyborg was like, yeah, it might not have been as a direct influence, but cyborg was like, yeah, I respected them too. And, uh, <laughs> and then that was the other thing I liked is that with this, it really does show you how Superman really influenced everyone and nobody would be where they were if not for him. And I just really greatly appreciated that. Yeah. And I think that might actually play a role in the upcoming DCU just based. And again, it's all rumors, but I've heard things about like the new Superman movie and how like big, like Henry Cavill Superman is going to play a role in like, how that movie develops, like, which I, I should have talked to you about this before we started recording, but I won't go into too much detail, but basically the idea behind it is that like Superman is going to continue to have like this big lasting legacy in terms of like what happens in the future. So I don't think Henry Cavill's out, which is 
good, good news to hear. But again, I yeah. don't know for sure. I'm hoping that's what they continue because it shows how important it is in this movie. And, yeah. oh. you know, we have Aquaman and Wonder Woman when they open up to each other while they're waiting for Barry and Cyborg to Which do is all nice. the dirty work. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because you're sitting there going, wait, but you two are the strongest of the... Why are they the one? Oh, or the joke where like, Flash was like, do you think that like Wonder Woman's into younger guys? And Cyborg was like, dude, she's 5,000 years old. Every guy is a younger guy. They, and once again, it goes to my point of that was natural. So that joke just naturally lands. And it was just so like stone faced. LOL, Victor Stone. But stone, <laughs> like, oh, that was funny. You, another thing about that. I want to talk about Cyborg a little bit more, too, because... Sure. You know, we get to see him playing football and number one, how good he was, but Mm -hmm. you know, like how hype he was about everything and how much his mom like unabashedly loved and supported him and number one defended him. That's Dr. Stone for you, sir. (laughs) That was a good line. I like that one. It wasn't forced. It was very natural. And she, uh, you know, because she's defending him because he hacked in the the school system and helped change grades for one of his friends because she was struggling with like her personal life. And again, I was like, well, that shows how much of a hero he is. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, the heroics, <laughs> like he already had the hero, the heroics in him. Right. And creating un- the currency. Unfor- yeah. And he just unfortunately needed that. Uh, how did, how did death battle say at one time? He had to get hit with that severe case of orphan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> poor guy. I, it, it is a part of his story and it's definitely different from the comics, uh, which by the way, they added a little Easter egg. Uh, when they were talking about like a case order for something uh, or something about like one of the mother boxes or like project something, it was actually the date of a mini series, which I own a mini series about cyborg and like his origins and how he like, you know, was exposed to like institutional racism and how he grew up like, you know, in a middle-class family, a family of scientists and how like he met other people and experienced what it was like to be black in America, like outside of the bubble that he'd grown to know. And like how, after he became cyborg and all these things that he like went through, like, Again, all these things to like draw from and change from. And it just a little note like that shows that Zack Snyder put effort into like bringing this character to life, which yeah, he did. Absolutely. Another little detail. And I'm sure that you, again, spoiler alert. If you're watching this, I guarantee that you've already seen this movie. Or if you're listening to this, ever, I guarantee you've already seen the movie. The scene where he and his mom get into a car accident, number one, devastating. Number two, yes. he reached out to protect his mom. He put his hand out in order to protect her when they were crashing, you know, cause they were talking about how his dad wasn't there and he was tearing up and he was, you know, just heartbroken. Yeah. And he reached out and used his arm to defend her and protect her. He actually did that again when Silas sacrificed himself for the mother box to, you know, bring it up as like thermal imaging so that they could track it. He used the same hand to reach out and try and protect his dad. Oh, wow. So that's I sad. That. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is, I mean, as strange as it would be, it, it is one of those of like, well, I mean, it's like if this movie wasn't four hours, one of those things you throw in. So like when people rewatch, you catch that. And that's, and mm-hmm. I do like that. Like you're saying, attention to detail. Mm-hmm. It's small things. But and also, it's like, it's easier to notice too, because Zack Snyder is many things, but he's not exactly a subtle filmmaker. So little, oh, no, he has this, he has a subtlety of a Louisville slugger to your dome, <laughs> but he knows this. And I think he's talked about it openly. He's like, Oh, I know I, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like with Superman? Like, I mean, we, we've joked many times about the, you know, look at my Jesus. I am Jesus. Look, I yeah. am Jesus. 
And he literally does the like the pose like in front of the sun. I'm just like, oh, oh right, it looks so rad though. <laughs> it looks, it so looks cool. Snyder's always been great at, cin- at uh, cinematography and just making like iconic shots that you're just like, I want a poster of that. So cool. I was like, I don't even care if it's not subtle. That looks rad as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh. It's so cool. I, again, compliments to him. But like when we're talking about Ray Fisher, because Ray Fisher's entire story does play a big factor in like this movie's development. Mm-hmm. I apparently, like Ray Fisher talked about how Snyder pulled him aside and was like, hey, I want to talk to you about Cyborg's character. I want your input and I want you to like kind of help us flesh out like, you know, like what his family life would be like. What do you think this character would bring to life? You know, what it, what's it like to be like a black man and like how, you know, like Victor Stone can best be represented and how you bring into this experience. And like he talked about how he really appreciated that because, you know, that's a luxury that just most actors in general don't really get afforded, I think, sometimes or it like. No, I- you know, they That's give true. you a role and the director is like, I want you to follow how this character is written. And with Zack Snyder, he was like, hey, I want you to bring what you think this character would be like as well, too. Like, I want to work together with you on this. And it shows in this movie. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> look, one of the best compliments you can be given as an actor, and it's what make like the best compliments I've ever been given. Or it's just like when a if a director comes up to you or the writer uh, and they just go, hey, we want your input. Or the director kind of just looks and goes, I know you've read it, and I know you know what to do. Whatever you decide, we'll go with. I love that. There, that trust. That's really <laughs> freeing when you get told that. Yeah. I, I know, like, just as a creative, too, I'm sure for you as an actor, hearing the words, I trust you, when it comes to the story. Oh, oh it means the world. <laughs> uh, it means the world. Nothing tops yeah. that. Because <laughs> it's also one of the biggest things that gets under my skin. I mean, and not to not to get like uh so meta that literally the only other person that gets what I'm saying would be Austin. But um the biggest one of the biggest things is that will get to me is when I feel like I'm not being trusted. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just like, well then why did you hire me? Mm-hmm. And so like I agree with you on that. And that's awesome to know that Snyder showed that kind of faith in with Ray Fisher. But I also want to talk about like and I know obviously Aquaman got his own solo movie after this, but I still like how he, how he was with this because they tried to turn him into like, I, he was more Aquaman and less Jason Momoa. Cause yes. in the original version, it just felt like I was watching Jason Momoa cosplay as Aquaman. Right. Which never a bad thing, but <laughs> yeah, no, but there's a different, like now he actually felt like he was trying to actually play Arthur he felt like a sympathetic hero and we understood what his struggle was because in the original movie, we didn't, you know, get that fully fleshed out again two hour mandate. So I, I kind of see like where a lot of these things fell apart, but we actually got to see his interaction with Volko and the Trident and, you know, like what it meant for him to like be talking to like the Atlanteans. Also another part of this movie that kind of threw me off a little bit was how they basically had to form bubbles every time they wanted to talk. Yeah. And I guess, because I heard, I know filming underwater is like the ninth (laughs) circle of hell. And uh, I just, it made me laugh because I was like, oh, I feel like this is their way around it. Yeah. And I mean, I I think they were just getting familiar with it. So like, I'm willing to let it slide, but I was like, oh gosh, this is jarring. And I can see why they kept happening. They went a different way with like 
you know, James Wan's Aquaman, but I was like, oh gosh, dude, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> oh, oh, also, the one time I'm going to say anything cool about Mira, <laughs> which we're not going to elaborate on why, but <laughs> when she... Just look up who plays her and you'll know. When she sucked the blood out of Stefan Wolf's face, that was insane. <laughs> when he yep. was trying to kill her and she was just like, I have an idea and just tried to literally pull the blood out of him. I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like oh. I, and I know I, we said this before recording, but just for those of y'all that don't know, Mira has a temper oh, to yeah. put it lightly and so much of a temper that in blackest night, because in that story, Aquaman is dead. She becomes a red lantern, which is literally based on rage. Yeah. It's so <laughs> yeah, like, some about Arthur kind of keeps her anger at bay, but it's like, she ain't someone to mess with. Don't right. think that just because she doesn't have the trident, she's not holding the trident. Doesn't mean she's not a force. Yeah. It's, it's a great emotional counterbalance with her and Aquaman, which is interesting that they kind of played upon that in this movie, because it actually made more sense when you go back and watch Aquaman. Because then you're like, right. oh, like I get their squabble or like confrontation a little bit more. Whereas like in the original one, you're like, what is going on? Like, do they, do they know each other? Like, exactly. I'm, I'm confused. And that's what goes back. If you had done an Aquaman and Cyborg movie, you could have cut down that four hours. I think you could have cut it down to three. I honestly think you could have cut this movie down to three and a half hours overall. Yeah. And that is yeah, my exactly. one like gripe with this movie is that like, Parts of it do. And again, I'm willing to let a lot of this slide because it is Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's his cut of the movie. He's releasing the version that he wanted us to see. So, yeah, I'm not going to be too harsh, but there are so many different parts of the scene where I was like five seconds could have come off that. Um, oh, yeah, that sure. scene could have been cut. 30 seconds of that could have been gone. I definitely could have lived without seeing that. You know, that could oh, go yeah. again. Few and far between. Yeah, no, there's little things like that. I mean, you'll see that. I mean, heck, even going back and rewatching Endgame, there are times I'm like, could have trimmed that, could have, like, that, that, that's one thing. But I'm just saying, like, it would have helped with making the movie more manageable time-wise. Like I said, if you just had, you know, did the Marvel method of have all your major characters have individual movies before the big crossover. Yeah, and that's the only time I'm ever going to say that DC should do like Marvel. Because DC yeah. is a very different beast, but I do kind of agree with you that it definitely would have alleviated a lot of the problems that people do have with these movies, besides like the dark tone. But again, the dark tone was on purpose. So yeah. <laughs> with that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to say too, uh, one of the things we <laughs> initially a couple few days ago when, or a couple days ago, we were texting each other, just kind of like freaking out over the movie. And um, one of the things I'm so happy with is that a big complaint people had about the original movie was they're like, they made Superman too strong. He doesn't need the other characters. Mm -hmm. This one showed you is like, yes, while he is the strongest, because that fight scene with them is the exact same. It's the so only funny difference. Too. <laughs> oh yeah. The only difference is uh, uh, Lois was just there. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to have out like Batman didn't happen to have a contingency plan for that because I was like, of course he does. But no, which thank and, um, you for not doing that this time. <laughs> yeah, that was a little like really Batman. You foresaw this. Yeah, and uh, stop. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah. And it's like, yes, he is the strongest, but everyone has a role they play mm-hmm. and they wouldn't have succeeded without everybody. Yeah. And, Especially and like flash. That. Oh my gosh. The flash MVP. <laughs> yes. I, we, we're going to, we're going to talk about this part before we kind of go into like some of the smaller bits. I, Originally, I was just annoyed that Superman just beat down Steppenwolf so easily, and I was like, sick. In this one, he also cuts his horn off with his laser yeah. eyes, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like this, The other alternate title of this movie, I think, could be Heavy Metal Justice League. <laughs> that's, and that's a compliment. I mean that. But one of my biggest frustrations with the original one was that Flash like saved this little Russian family by like running really fast and like getting them to safety. And then like Superman carried an entire apartment complex away. And I was like, cool, like way way to make flash look stupid. And then in this one, you know, Superman shows up and he beats the tar out of Steppenwolf. And this is a huge, this is one of my favorite things about this movie. The good guys lost initially. Yeah. Until they failed. Good old. Yeah, they do. They, I mean, I was a little surprised by that. And when they failed and then good old, the built-in mulligan button that is the speed force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the speed force. I number one, it looks cool. Uh, oh, number yeah. two, it, it was cool that it was alluded to and Barry was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's really like an emergency situation. And then, you know, when the entire Justice League almost immediately got disintegrated and he's the last one, he's like, okay, pro- I should probably use the Speed Force. <laughs> now's the time. And it was so cool. It's such a great sequence with him basically running so quickly and using the Speed Force to reverse time to the point where he can get Cyborg to immediately, you know, like can disconnect the mother boxes. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful visual. And then a great moment for Cyborg, one of my favorite parts of that whole movie, which, you know, really hit home on a, a, you know, without getting too personal, on a very emotional level of, you know, like, I'm not broken and I'm not alone and breathing in himself again, like believing in himself. That was, oh, it's just a great moment. And it kind of made me tear up a little bit, which I didn't know this movie was going to (laughs) do. Like when you think of like a Zack Snyder movie, you don't think of like tears nearly being brought to your eyes you, you yeah. think of like I mean, action and excitement and slow-mo <laughs> well you you think of superman's entrance when he saved cyborg when Steppenwolf was about to chop him in the back of the head <gasps> and yeah just superman just shows up axe is in it like it's not in his shoulder it's like on top of it and just stops and he just looks at Steppenwolf and he's just like not impressed and then just uses the ice breath and just very and just, delicately just and just completely free. I was like, wow, I cannot believe that you changed that again. There's another, we should have a little tally. Every time we say, I can't believe they cut that, or I can't believe they changed that. Take a shot. <laughs> if you're following no, along need, at home, <laughs> we need to keep our viewers. We don't need to kill them. <laughs> like, Oh gosh, I've been drinking for an hour. Oh, <laughs> and again, like it's just such a reprieve. Cause we saw Steppenwolf kick so much ass throughout the whole movie that like, Mm -hmm. he was way scarier and his motivation like you know the fact that he was so scary and then we would see him like kind of kneel before these other guys was wild and you know with him dragging atlanteans out of the ocean oh another small detail how he would interrogate people when he used that atlantean and he used that little bug because they knew exactly where the mother box was and he would use that to like mind read them i was like well that changes everything why would you take that out (laughs) 
Because yeah, it's like that's how he knows where to show up. I know. And just and there's and there's such a great line too because the Atlantean was like, I would never betray my people. And that as it's like showing the throne room, he's like, you already have. Okay, another small little beef I have with this movie is like there's a couple lines that Steppenwolf delivers where I'm like, I could have done without that. Like <laughs> it's toxic. Good. <laughs> I was like, mm, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> you, it, you, you it, yeah. I was like, you could have like had like some kind of alien scanner that showed like a high radiation level or something, and then like Steppenwolf smiles. Like that would have meant a lot more, or like some kind of like visual way to show it. Because this movie actually does focus a lot more on visually telling, and I appreciate that. But mm-hmm. It explains why Steppenwolf had hostages too when he's looking for the mother box when you know he's using that little mind reading thing on people and he can't find it. I was like, that makes way more sense rather than just like, I'll kill you if you don't tell me where the mother box is. I was like, I like, why is this happening? Like, why can't you just rampage through everything? And this movie made it way more clear, like so many small t- details, like why would you change that? Why? <laughs> okay, let's talk about a big one that I was just. Oh, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> when dark when it showed when Darkseid first came to Earth, mm-hmm. and the big I mean I just I started laughing. I'm like, Snyder's going full 300 again. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, he did. He which, did. It was, no, and it was great. And, I, I love him for it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, especially when I saw how like. Ares and Zeus were dressed. I'm like, you're just, you had stock footage left over from 300, didn't you? And, oh, but it was cool. Uh, it looked good. It looked significantly oh, yeah. better. And also, like, see, seeing a Green Lantern because like people from the stars came to help because that's how big of a threat Darkseid is. Oh my gosh, and, he killed that Green Lantern so hard. He, oh, I know. <laughs> which well, when he when he chopped off the hand, I was like, oh, when he cut off his hand. And then stabbed him. I was like, whoa, (laughs) like everyone that I was watching the movie with just went, oh, my God, like that whole first like two hours of that movie, we're going ballistic for certain parts of that scene, like the Themyscira scene, which we will get to. And the dark side scene when we were showing we were going bananas. Well, it really established like dark side. Look, there are villains who are like they're a big deal. There are other villains that you immediately get like. The, the like chill goes down your spine mm-hmm. and that is dark side because he does not play when he shows up. Oh, but he, and, he nearly bled out in this fight. Oh, well, I mean, you got hit by Zeus and Ares. You kind of should. Yeah. And he was Uxus at the time. He wasn't quite the dark side that we know in fear. And that's true. He, but he was still scary. Like he was just a young dark side who got cocky and got ahead of himself. Also, another scary thing. He almost had that green lantern ring. I oh my god! Let's not talk about that. That was the scariest part of that whole thing for me because I was like, (laughs) like, (laughs) oh my gosh! And I thought about it because I was like, that was on purpose because again, who has more will and determination in the entire universe than Dark (laughs) Side? That is true. Oh my gosh, that was scary. But like, he almost passed the test. Also, another thing that I want to point out that my friend actually we just started laughing about was Atlan basically knew like one move the whole time how he would just like slam his trident down he's just like yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, and yeah. My friend Leo was like, is that like the only movie knows? I started cracking up because I was like, I didn't want to point it out because I'm enjoying the scene so much. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool to see like, when you see that too, I, I mean, it kind of also helps with other movies of like, it shows how big of a deal it was then in the Wonder Woman when Ares killed all the other gods. Like how big of a blow that is for literally Earth's defenses. Right. Huge difference maker. Also just seeing him in a completely different position where he's helping the world is just, well, it's very Ares of him. <laughs> yeah. As I was say helping because I like this planet. I want to rule it, not have it destroyed. Yeah. He, he's not helping because he's a nice guy, but <laughs> yeah. again, like we see that and then we see like everyone in this movie just feels so much more legitimately powerful and legitimately more what they should be like the the scene on themiskira where the amazons are defending the mother box favorite scene of the whole movie outside of the speed force yeah it's so much better it is unreal and i know a lot of people have probably seen because it was early on in the theatrical cut too and you probably saw it and you're like that was mildly disappointing this movie (laughs) takes the whole scene and just makes it a hundred times more interesting and engaging and Steppenwolf, his entrance is terrifying and him saying that he's going to bathe in their fear. Oh my God. My favorite line, my girlfriend's favorite (laughs) line too. When he was like, I'm going to bathe in your fear. And she was like, daughters of Themyscira, show them your fear. And they're all like, we have, I get, Oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. And they were like, we have no fear. I was like, (laughs) like, I got chills from that. It was so good. And yeah. just so much more scary. And they literally sent the entire temple into the ground, into the ocean, and it mm-hmm. still didn't stop him. And then when he's throwing the horses and he beheaded that one Amazon and just shrugging off the spears, like, dude, don't even get me started yeah. on me asking. And you see the arrows like in out. his and you see the arrows in his armor. He's just standing there like this is fine. Yeah, <laughs> when he caught that one arrow from the Amazon, <laughs> we were like, I caught your arrow with ease. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you when that <laughs> Oh, we, dude, immediately we were laughing so hard because <laughs> that whole scene, we were just stressed out. And I remember like looking over at my girlfriend and she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> like, dude, I've seen this movie before, and this is stressing me out. This is crazy. Like, just the intensity has been ratcheted up so much. And, and, uh, and I think that helps, too, with, like, establishing dark side because Steppenwolf is being seen as such a huge threat, and he just grovels before dark side. Oh, yeah. He, he scares everyone, and then we see him vulnerable and afraid in front of dark side. And you're like, well, how much scarier does that make him? And the uh, question is a lot. <laughs> I, I wish we could see. We'll only see what the future holds because. Yep. Oh, like Zack Snyder for you get the best and you get the worst of Zack Snyder sometimes. And when I say worse, I just mean like things that don't necessarily always work on screen uh, because I actually think he's a better filmmaker than a lot of people give him credit for. He's very much an auteur and his style is not for everyone. I will be fair, but the man does know what kind of vision that he wants to have. And this movie feels so consistent in terms of its tone, in terms of its overall story that it was going for and the message that it wanted to send. Yeah. And 
I like I said, I know I've said it before just earlier, but I really do like how centrally Superman played in this movie. Of especially when they like were like, well, a mother box could bring him back to life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, the mother box has only started activating because he died. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're afraid of the Kryptonian. Yeah. They, so we need to get him. Right. And crazy because they almost took him out at the end when the whole Justice League got disintegrated. Number one, that was a cool yeah. visual seeing him with his flesh and bone being brought back together. That was wild. Mm-hmm. But also just it shows how important Superman is to this entire universe. And I think that that was it was present in the original theatrical cut. I will give it that it was present, yeah. but I don't think it was as properly fleshed out as it could have been. And we got that with this movie because it wasn't, you know, a, unfortunately, like just a mishmash of a committee of people trying to make something happen because they couldn't all yeah. agree on something with with conflicting tones and like, heck, the way that Lois Lane kind of gets brought like because she's mourning and just like not she's basically mm-hmm. become a shut in. Yeah. And how basically we find out it's Martian Manhunter that convinced her to actually like live her life. Right. And well, he gave her a, a decent push, but like, dude, the thing where she, I was taken aback when we found out that she still had Superman's cape. Oh my God. That, oh, that, took, that hurt. That was <laughs> heartbreaking. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. And her scene with her scene with Martha where they're just having that heart to heart. Well, I mean, it was Martian Manhunter, but it was still a very yeah, emotional scene because we got to see Lois Lane, you know, just kind of, help pour her emotion a little bit and grieve openly mm-hmm. oh it's so and sad it, it was good and i just yeah and and you could tell and they were setting up for so much more because as we alluded to mm-hmm. you could tell Zack snyder had plans for more movies oh yeah and, i mean he had a plan for two more justice league movies and one of them obviously being because you know after <laughs> i mean one and I, I know some people would probably have an issue with the fact that Steppenwolf gets straight up murdered Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it because it's Wonder Woman that does it because she is an Amazonian <laughs> yeah. who comes from a warrior race. Oh, dude, that scene where she was just bopping those dudes and just bouncing them around like little ping pong balls when she's saving all those kids in the museum. Uh huh. Number one, that was much better in terms of just like its overall coherency. And number two, I think it encapsulates the best extremes of Wonder Woman because it shows how much of a warrior she is and how like, hey, if these people are trying to hurt you, you show them that you can stand. You show them you're strong. You show them you stand up for yourself. And I know some people take issue with that. I don't because personally, I think people should fight back when there's injustice is done. And especially when it's something that like, it's pretty like cut and dry. Like these people are trying to harm children. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to literally not like blow up several cities. They have a small nuke in their suitcase. Exactly. And And they're going to kill children. And she's like, well, I'm not going to mess around. And and like, I see people who are like, well, she could have just punched him really hard and knocked him out. And I was like, dude, she's, she's an Amazon warrior. Like, yeah, she, she comes from a group. She comes from, I think that's always something. I think that's where, and it sounds weird to say this. That's where like modern day being in a, like being in America of like, she doesn't come from that. She literally comes from a group of warriors that worshiped the Greek gods of the powerful have to rule. And if you are powerful, it is your duty to protect people. And, they, and they, if they get harmed under your watch, that is your fault. Yeah, no, it's 
she takes it seriously. And like, you know, a part of me thought it was like after the fact when I thought about it, I was like, damn, it's kind of funny because we get that really tender scene where she's like, you know, basically like checking on everyone. She's like, are you guys okay? Like, is everything okay? Like very emotional and very like a perfect encapsulation of who Wonder Woman is. Like, is everyone all right? Like, are you guys okay? And, you know, like making sure that everyone's safe. And that one girl's like, can I be like you one day? And she's like, you can be anything you want to be. And a great scene it encapsulates it really well. But it was also like, you know, previously, <laughs> like she literally used her bracelets to disintegrate a guy and blew out all the windows of this building. And there's like, yeah. she's like, you can be anything you want. There's some dude like twitching on the ground because his skull was bashed <laughs> in by Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, it reminds me of a... <laughs> <laughs> it reminds there, there's a comic where there's uh where superman was actually kind of chastising wonder woman mm-hmm. where he's like he goes uh so you're okay with killing and she goes i only kill bad guys clark and he goes how do you know the difference she goes a lasso of truth helps yeah that's kind of where i am willing to give like the little bit of leeway on that also another thing about wonder woman because with her injustice portrayal, I'm sure you played the injustice games. A lot of people have kind of gotten upset with her portrayal because, you know, while it is an Elseworlds portrayal, you're able to take a, you know, a couple liberties with that. The thing with her is that they kind of make her just like this evil manipulative, like I'm going to kill everyone. I want blood kind of person. And I feel like the difference, like, I feel like they've kind of nailed it with this wonder woman, like the movie wonder woman, because she is a strong warrior who fights and defends everyone who needs help and takes care of business when you need to. But she also is compassionate and cares about those people who do need her help. You know, she's not just like reckless abandon, like I'm going to just kill everyone. Like, no, that's the best way to put it. I mean, she's kind when she needs to be and she doesn't want to fight, but she absolutely will. Yeah. It's, it's not like she's the punisher, like going out and just murking people. Yeah, she's like, she never starts the fight, but boy, will she finish it. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. And <laughs> ah, there's just, there's so many good things about this movie. Like, you know, just all these scenes that we'd seen before, but now we're like, oh my gosh, this is just so much better when we see it in the way that we were supposed to originally. And mm-hmm. the 4-3 fourth, uh, fourth aspect ratio, I was hesitant because at first I was like, That's going to be awkward because I'm just, our brains are literally so trained to either full screen or widescreen. Yeah. I, I was so odd to me. I was like, I was like, okay. I mean, especially because the good news is it tells you at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not just sitting there going, what is my TV busted? It's like, you're told. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, don't panic. This is how the movie's supposed to be. And I actually kind of like it because grant, I think this is one of the things alongside the runtime that a lot of people be like, I have mixed feelings about this. I actually really like it because it, gave me this sense of like this old throwback to like epic movies and it feels grander and bigger in scope. Like dark side looks so much better when you see him completely, you can see the scale of how big and how scary dark side is versus like how he would look on widescreen. You get like a feel of like you're focusing on these giant godlike characters and how really truly big they are. Yeah, that's fair. And, and we see enough action. We see the focus of the action and the focus of the action often is the heroes. It, it has a tighter focus. And I, I think it's a similar kind of tactic that they use for the lighthouse. Granted, a little different, but <laughs> <laughs> like because they used a very, very narrow aspect ratio for the lighthouse. And it's to keep you focused and paranoid. You're not able to see the sides of the screen. 
You're not able to see what's going on around him. You're focused on these two characters, what could be lurking around the corner, but it also keeps you focused. And with this, I feel like it kind of is one, a throwback to old time epic movies and epic movie, LOL. But (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, these grand epics that were filmed in a fashion that made you feel like you're watching something really important happening. And I think that's the intention. That doesn't mean it's always going to work for everybody because everybody's seen different movies now. Yeah. I mean, I know like it's like when WandaVision came out, I know a guy who had like, he absolutely despised the first two episodes because they're in black and white. And literally for that one reason, that's a bit silly, but I'm also not going to invalidate his opinion. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just saying like that for some people, they just have their, they have their specifics. Yeah. To your point, like, at first, the 4-3 threw me off. So I, was, I wasn't like upset. I wasn't like, oh, I can't watch it now. My question was just like, why? why? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> well, also because it was on, filmed in IMAX too. Right. But as time went on, I just, I was fine. I was like, okay, I get it. I'll play by your rules. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it didn't bother me after a while. Like I say, so my, my whole thing was like, was just sitting there being like, why? I wasn't like upset, but. I'm sure there's gonna be some people who like that just irks them. Yeah. And, and it's because that's just how it is. we have such few choices for aspect ratio that are the norm. I get it. I get why people are going to be like, it doesn't work for me. And you know what? Okay. Because it is a central aspect of this movie, <laughs> like a central aspect, pun intended. It does change your viewing experience and you have to look at it through a certain lens. And, you know, he did film this to be screened on IMAX screens, which was his original intention. And we may only get, you know, IMAX screens once, you know, the pandemic kind of lightens up a little bit and the majority of people are vaccinated. I think that that will probably be a couple months from now, hopefully by May. I hope everyone gets vaccinated by May. That would be super. But enough about that. (laughs) But it does play a role because this movie kind of only happened because HBO Max came out and the pandemic kind of like created this need for content and Zack Snyder's justice league was kind of like that perfect hole to fill in there. And, Oh, it was so worth it. But <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of been the big thing of like, uh, people were asking for, it and it's like, now they had a streaming service. They're like, why not put it on there? Yeah. Cause you lose nothing. It's not like you have to go through the paperwork and the money of theaters. You just put it on there. If it doesn't work, okay, whatever. Yeah. Move on. One big thing I think that we should talk about this movie. I don't think in its form as it is right now, and it has been mentioned before, in its current form as we see it on HBO Max, I do not think that it would work in theaters. Oh, no, no, no. 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 I mean, and it's too long. It's, <sighs> I mean, I'll, and I know that we discussed thoroughly, like, that's not a thing, but like, Four hours of IMAX is asking a lot. That is draining. (laughs) And I would do it, but I'm also a huge nerd. (laughs) Yeah. I'm also one of the people that has been so excited we get comic book movies because I never really thought that they would become as popular as they are today. And I would sit down and do that because comics are such an important facet of my life. And most casual audiences are not willing to do that. I mean, it was a, there's a reason, like I said, Infinity War and Endgame had to be split into two movies. Mm-hmm. Cause even Marvel knew 
ain't nobody gonna sit there for five and a half hours nope and honestly i probably i would have to take breaks i'd have to stop and like watch the rest of the movie at another time but like movies are designed for one sitting experience and should be geared towards being accessible in that format i really think four hours is like the cutoff (laughs) like because it's not like tv episodes where you can watch an hour and then stop and i know a lot of people who are like well if you can sit and binge watch a whole you know season of a show in one day you can watch this justice league movie which is only partially true because the thing is is when you are focused on one sole thing and one sole story for four hours that is a lot of time and attention that you need to dedicate to it whereas with the tv show you can literally it's literally designed to stop to give your brain a break yeah i mean i mean shoot even like the longest musicals and plays that i know like even like long shakespeare plays there's a reason why you have an intermission Oh, don't get me started on Shakespeare. <laughs> I, mean, I, have, I have feelings about Shakespeare, all of which I think are part of how important he is to just storytelling in general. And yeah, well, also to even, this movie, too. Let's just be frank. Like, there's yeah. a lot of Shakespeare. <laughs> no, or even like long musicals. They'll have a, or most plays and musicals. There's a reason why they have an intermission. It gives yeah. your brain a break. Right. And they had an intermission for hateful eight. I think when that movie came out, cause that movie was long, long movie. Plus I think they needed to like change the tape at one point. Cause that when they were filming in 70 millimeter, that's when you would get the intermission. But right. like, that's a long movie. They didn't even have an intermission for, um, for end game. And yeah, pff, that's a long one. I mean, it's not the longest movie in existence, going. but it is very, yeah. very long. And I think audiences just aren't, used to it like you know we're not in the era when you get lawrence of arabia or the odyssey or greed yeah. or i'm really name dropping right now <laughs> no go for it <laughs> like <please. laughs> classic hollywood you're not gonna get Patton. Patton's also a good one it's a long 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 movie but it's not gonna work in this era of you know you have certain times for theaters being able to show something and Avengers Endgame literally had to have almost every single theater playing Avengers the whole time because it was a three hour movie and they tend to be geared towards two to two and a half hours at most. Yeah. And it's the theaters crazy. Were to open up. We're having to open up earlier and stuff just to make sure to accommodate everybody, because since the movie was longer, that means you couldn't quite like. Pump people out the way you normally would. Right. You can't just siphon people in and you can't get as many ticket sales as you normally would. And then you'd have to hold the movie in theaters to make sure that, you know, more and more people are seeing it. And we do see that happen sometimes. Like a lot of movies get re-released. The Dark Knight did it for IMAX. That's actually how I was able to see it in IMAX when I was really young. We we had to go back in like January of the next year uh, to be able to see it then. And still beautiful, still amazing. But (laughs) I mean, heck, there's, there's been some movies I've seen. Like I know like Cinemark has been uh i know i saw a thing like later this month or, or sometime in april i can't remember which they're like you can go see the ten commandments or like other movies that they're doing like, apparently yeah. they've been doing it for the last few months which if and, i'm being honest you guys should definitely if you get the chance and you feel safe go do that go watch old movies go watch movies from different eras oh some of them are so amazing and i'm just so sad that like people don't get to see it as much as i love comic book movies there's more to the world than comic book movies and you should absolutely be able to broaden your horizon because then you'll see a lot of the influences that these movies have on comic book movies absolutely and 
also that's the reason why we, we don't just talk about comics on this podcast. We cover other stuff because what we don't want to limit ourselves. That would be silly. Yeah. And we could talk about comics all day. That's kind of how big of a universe everything with comics is, but there's just so much more to the world to talk about. And, you know, that's not diminishing, you know, like saying that like, Oh, well comics and all that aren't worth talking about. It's just, there's, you can't have too much of a good thing. And that applies to everything. There's other horizons for you to broaden. And that sounded completely wrong when I said it, but (laughs) it's fine, but go on. uh, There's something I want to bring up. Like, uh, unfortunately, like I said, we don't know, like, Streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, um, they don't really like reveal or talk about um, their process or like numbers. It's not like how it used to be like you could look at ratings or like when a movie is in the theaters, you can look at their box office. So we don't know like how the Snyder Cut's going to be doing or how if it's going to influence like future decisions. I'm curious to see if they even release the numbers. I don't know if they will. Cause I mean, one, they don't have to, yeah. that's kind of the, <laughs> the reason why you have your own service. But, um, cause the thing is the movie has two things, well, three technically, but two definite things that would lead into future stuff. One, after seven wolf gets beheaded by wonder woman. And as he's going through the portal, which that was awesome. I was not expecting the beheading. I thought Superman was going to like punch him into there. And dark side was going to Omega beam on the death. And, uh, teamwork <laughs> exactly right which also side note i'm so happy even though it was a weird like future what if we mm. got to see the omega beams hit somebody oh that was, that was so awesome. cool and then like when they had him uh like when he had aquaman like up by his trident like he'd killed aquaman and you see his eyes boiling underwater and you see the water like bubbling and boiling him around him small stuff like that Mwah, oh yeah kiss. just showing just showing how much of a like just monster he is but um, so like with Seven Wolf, Stephen Wolf dead, but he told Darkseid, "Your equation is on the Earth." Mm-hmm. So you know they they look at him and he's like, "So what do we do now, sir?" And he's like, "We're gonna get him. We're gonna use the old ways. Ooh. Get my army ready." <laughs> that gave, <laughs> that gave me so much anxiety because, <laughs> and I was like, Oof. "Oh goodness, we gotta deal with Granny goodness." Oh, I'm not ready for that. She's scary, dude. She's especially in Young Justice, too. Like they have rarely ever failed Granny Goodness. And I even yeah. like how they used her in Harley Quinn. That was funny. But oh, yeah. <laughs> again, but, um, completely different purpose. Of course. But and of course, the other thing they talked about when they showed the yacht scene that we alluded to earlier with Lex. And once again, to Jesse Eisenberg's credit, he started acting more like traditional luther which yeah. is cool to see like a mature um, person who had gone through an experience that would make him the lex luther that we have known for years yeah he's been humbled and so he's just like oh i gotta be smart about this and he basically what we saw in the original cut you know deathstroke they basically just like oh we're gonna basically make the legion of doom mm-hmm. this time because i'm like deathstroke's not in the legion of doom so what we see in a Snyder cut makes way more sense because Luther just straight up tells Slade Batman is Bruce Wayne. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Right. <laughs> but um, no, but just I was t- like, and 
if you guys have listened to our Teen Titans episodes, <laughs> you know how scary Slate is. Yeah, he hardly has any powers, and he's still extremely frightening. And he now knows who Batman is, which means Bruce Wayne doesn't need more reasons to be paranoid. Yeah. And now he does, because a master assassin knows his identity. And <laughs> yeah, so like both of those things, we don't know if depending on how the numbers go, if they're going to do something with that. I don't know. I mean, they might some... they might unearth Ben Affleck's old Batman script, which apparently was supposed to be great. And well, he's a good writer. That's he, how he made his name. Yeah, he is a great writer and a great director, too. He, uh, you know, what's funny is that the guy who wrote the script for Argo is actually the guy who's been writing a lot of the, the DC EU movies with Ben Affleck and fun, just fun. That makes sense. You work <laughs> with your friend, you work with people you trust. Like we said earlier. Yep. Trust you. People that, you know, can produce results and people that you like working with always going to go with them. That just, it makes mm-hmm. the most sense. But I think that was the original intent was the Batman movie was supposed to be about like Batman struggling to kind of cover up for Deathstroke, basically ruining his life, which is really interesting because it shows how smart and like evil and manipulative Slade is without being like, I am physically strong because he is physically stronger and more powerful than Batman just off like muscle alone because he's super soldier. That would be an interesting wrinkle. And I'm really sad that we might not be able to see that. I hope that they do like an HBO Max movie of that, because honestly, I feel like Ben Affleck would do that. And I feel like he's in the in the proper headspace now to be able to do that, thankfully for him, you know. No, that's true. And also, that would make sense for Slade to do that, because it's like he's not just going to up and kill a billionaire like that. No, he knows that would get (laughs) so much heat on him that not even he can get away from that. Right. Also, it's still Batman. You can't just off Batman. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, a, it's like you can't sneak attack Tony Stark. He has an Iron Man suit at all times. Like, <laughs> Precisely. And, and it's the same with Batman. It's like he may not have the suit on him, but he has a few gadgets on him probably at all times. What if it had been and, like a Daredevil born again kind of storyline? That's actually what I was thinking of as you described that. Yeah. Oh, that would be so interesting. I, I would love that. I feel like Deathstroke would probably share that information with other crime lords in Gotham. That's like, the scary thing. I yeah. think he would actually go to someone like he, he'd go to like Two-Face, Penguin, Riddler and Joker and be like, oh, by the way. Yeah, because Joker does know would, in the that's how we he, find out in the nightmare scene. That's true. Well, yeah, he just never cared. Yeah, because it hasn't. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, tell these other guys and be like, hey. He's Bruce Wayne. Use that information as you will. And that's just scary to think about. And especially like someone like Penguin, who's so well connected. Right. Oh, Penguin would be a great like, uh, what could have been? I mean, I'm excited we're getting Matt Reeves Batman, but like, I'm just fascinated by the idea of what Ben Affleck's Batman movie would have been like. And we kind of get a glimpse of that. Also, 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 (laughs) we need to talk like just to kind of wrap everything up we need to talk about the nightmare scene really quickly because I personally, I'm not super huge on it and I'm not trying to knock on, you know, like how much work went into it. And I could tell at certain times, like how difficult they had with production filming this because it was filmed in like the rage of COVID. So I don't even think a lot of the actors were on screen at the same time. Like you had to kind of move them in and out and around and like have like a double or like insert someone into a shot. Like, 
you could tell that it was all in one area, but that like, I, th- I don't think the Joker and Batman were on screen at the same time. You know what I'm saying? That would explain how when one person is talking and the camera is still focusing on the other person. Yeah. I, I really think that they kind of had to do that, which I'm not going to critique that because like people can be like, well, you know that I can kind of see through it now. It's like, well, dude, they're filming in the middle of COVID. Like give them a break. And like this has been a nightmare for film. And this is coming from someone who has worked on a film set during COVID. It's difficult. You have to be careful. And especially on like these big Hollywood productions where a lot of money is being spent in order to ensure that a lot of this happens. My concern was when Batman said the F word (laughs) because it erased a lot of the character development that I think he developed over justice league because instead of being like a killing machine or like, well, not so much like I'm going to straight up murder you of more of a reckless, like I don't care if you live or die. And which is still killing. But (laughs) when you had him, you see him at the end of Justice League when he's on that tank and you see a bunch of people that he tied up and was taken to jail. A small little detail that I noticed Uh, instead of killing them or branding them, he actually just arrested them and was going to take them in. Yeah. Nice little bit of character work there. It kind of got stripped away. And I understand that it's the apocalypse. But when he's like, I'm going to effing kill you and I'm going to kill you and do it slow. I was like. It's just jarring in terms of its tonal effect because it can be done well, but I do feel, and because this was a scene that was inserted after the fact, this was a new scene because he wanted to have Jared Leto and Ben Affleck working together as Batman and Joker because they hadn't been on screen fully together yet, interacting at least. Yeah. I don't know. But I did like that they had Deathstroke working with Batman because that makes a ton of sense, especially when it's something like the apocalypse. Look, we've all talked about like, Deathstroke is a bad person, but yeah. he can be bought. He can be bought, so, and he also knows when to play for the right team. Exactly. It's kind of like a, like with Teen Titans. When Trigon appeared, yeah. he understood it was time to switch sides. Right. He, he's not a good man. He's not a, he's not a hero. I wouldn't even say he's an anti-hero. No, <laughs> like, he's a straight-up villain. The closest we've gotten to like him being an anti-hero is in his Deathstroke the Terminator run with Marv Wolfman back in like the 90s. And I mean, granted, that's pretty good because it gives him, you know, a fleshed-out motivation. We can understand him. But he, what he's doing is still wrong because he's doing it for selfish, personal, violent, vengeance-fueled reasons. And seeing him kind of start off that way and then seeing him in the apocalypse where it's like they kind of have these begrudging like, yeah, I guess we'll work together. Interesting, because I do feel like that was a great understanding of how Deathstroke works as a character, but also having Batman and the Joker like at each other's throats, even though they literally have to work together. Little detail. We saw half of the card floating when they had the destroyed Hall of Justice from the original nightmare scene. And. Remember when he said you can tear this in half and then you'll find out like the truth or something like that about, you know, that. And I think that's how everything kind of fell apart at the end was because, you know, like Batman probably killed the Joker and then Superman was like, I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) Killed everyone. What a wild ending and interesting things. I do think Lois dies. I think that was the plan was for Lois to die. And that was how Superman basically got controlled by anti-life. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's and it's weird. That's what makes this work better because when people initially saw the whole evil Superman thing, everyone kind of initially like they thought that Snyder was going to try and remake or make his own version of Injustice. Mm-hmm. 
And now with Dark Side involved, like you're saying with anti life, it makes way more sense. Way more sense. That it's a, that it's a serving Dark Side thing. Yeah. And because that's actually happened in the comics before. Mm hmm. It does make sense. And, but again, we didn't have the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I know. And then there's a part of me that's. I am glad of where we can kind of see a, the bigger picture thing. Mm. But at the same time, it's also like. Like, I guess it's one of those things that like when you're when you're the creative and you're writing it, you're like, oh, yeah, people will told like. There's so much. Move, there's so many movies to watch and shows and games and books and and if you're a wrestling fan there's so much of that to watch it's like people aren't gonna like having to wait for a payoff years later Mm -hmm. is asking a lot that is a big commitment to ask of a lot of people and with movies especially in that medium it should kind of being it should be expected that movies should be able to kind of stand on their own with enough of a story where we're not left asking like well this doesn't really fully make sense and with this, it was kind of structured intentionally as this big, long epic where you had to watch everything, which number one, I mean, if you have to watch everything, it's a good way to get you to go back and see it in theaters, but <laughs> it yeah. also can turn away people if they're just befuddled and confused. Yeah. And well, it's, and there's two ways to do it. Cause I know someone, um, cause I know you talk about like epics and a guy actually made an argument. Apparently he's a guy who's has like, a, you know, uh, specialization with like, uh, ep- like classic epics, like you know Iliad, Odyssey, and all that kind of stuff. He actually compared the MCU, to like the modern day version of a Greek epic. Oh, and absolutely. Like a Greek, and he said, and like a Greek epic, you can kind of zone in and out, and when you zone back in, you'll catch on to what's going on. Yeah. And, but the thing is, with what they're, what I saw Snyder doing, like I said, and because me being who I am, I was like. And like, I've seen the other movies multiple times. Like I knew I, I like, or like, I would be like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause I see like they're piecing this together or piecing that together. Yeah. A lot of people aren't going to do that. Like if there's, there's, if there's been like the MC where like you can kind of zone in and out, but you still get what's going on versus the way Snyder's doing it where yeah. you have to pay attention to everything, which is a big ask. But again, it comes back to trusting your audience and you know, there's a certain level where like, I can see where you tried to do that, but with what happened and especially like working in a studio environment is completely different. Cause you have people who, I mean, it's not like they're not putting a lot of money into this. They oh, yeah. do want to be able to trust you, but that's fair. They also know and formulas I- that work for the most part, because I mean, 90% of the time, if you have something that's similar to a movie that was successful, it's probably going to work, especially if you add some kind of artistic flair to it or market it in a way that brings in people to see more. It's just, it's how the business runs. It's how it works. And it's part of the game. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, to put it simply, the studios want to make their money back. Yeah. They don't want to lose any, money. <laughs> exactly. No one ever likes to lose money. So <laughs> they want to oh. do what's going to make it back. I completely agree. And I'm taken aback by this whole movie. I, I'm very pleased with it. Number one, um, it's not a perfect movie, but there are a lot of things to be appreciated about it. And having a Martian Manhunter at the end was really cool too. I've been waiting to see a live action Martian Manhunter for so long and not just on TV in the movies before you come at me. 
<laughs> listen to what I have to say. So, <laughs> it, well, and I also like the like I said, it's something that he'd been around since Man of Steel, so really showing like there was a plan here. Yeah, there was dedication. Unfortunately, you know, like things didn't work out entirely as planned. And I hate pointing fingers because filmmaking is a collaborative process, so I'm not going to. I can speculate on how things went wrong and where they went wrong. But again, I have a massive amount of respect for the filmmaking process because I am a filmmaker myself. So (laughs) I know how difficult this is going to be. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Then again, I am very pleased we got this. I'm hoping that it leads to a lot of discourse on how directors can be trusted and where we draw the line at like what we keep and what we choose to kind of let go and you know how much studios have say how much the directors have say which they should have as much as they possibly can because it, it's, it's still why a, you hired them it's still a creative business and if you're going to hire them you should trust them to do the job and you know how much input how many notes they take from the studio and you know also trusting them sometimes and also mm-hmm the fans and how powerful the fans can be because this is a lot and the Snyder cut is very much like the entire movement behind it is fascinating because it's a rare occurrence where everything just kind of fell into place for it to be a justified piece of existence. And I'm very, very happy for Zach being able to complete this, especially dedicating it to his daughter who, mm-hmm. you know, died tragically from suicide. I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, maybe he got some closure on that. I, it's so, it's such a difficult, you know, thing to imagine happening. And I'm hoping that he's well, and I'm hoping that he and his family are, you know, doing better and recovering and, you know, sending them a big virtual hug in a non weird way. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's, it's something I hope this brought some closure to him and his family and, you know, being able to see this brought to life is really, really cool. And there's a lot of crazy things behind it, all of which we may talk about on, a future podcast and you know, like how, how fans affect the filmmakers and the studios. That's probably, that's a whole other episode itself. It's not just for this, absolutely, but it's just fascinating to talk about. And it's fascinating to see. I really like this movie a lot. I'm excited to watch it again. I'm curious to see how the black and gray one does because it might be a little too dark, just saying, but (laughs) just in terms of color, I'm still going to watch it and I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I hope it's good. And Curious to see where DC goes from here. Same here, because it's that's that's what makes it so crazy. That it even got released at all because now, uh, like I said, it's just now people are going to look at W, going to look at a uh, Warner Brothers. Like, okay, so what do you do? Because it's almost like they outed themselves. Because mm-hmm. now they've exposed themselves to being like, oh yeah, here's how much we interfere with the process. Mm-hmm. And like, what's that going to lead to? Is that because I've heard rumors that apparently Snyder's going to be put on for the third Wonder Woman movie potentially? I don't think that'll happen, but I have right. heard rumors that they're interested in him continuing the Justice League one and two, which will probably go to like it'll probably go to HBO Max. But I don't care because we'll get to see it. So. Exactly. But like I said, but that's the thing we don't know because initially Warner Brothers said. Uh, we have no plans after this. We're just releasing a Snyder cut and that's it. Specifically, and, they referred to it as a cul-de-sac. 
<laughs> which yeah. is an actual quote from them. I'm not making things up again. No, I'm, I'm not even like an insider who has all these big scoops. I just know that because it's been widely circulated and shared and they've even said it to the press. Like yeah. they've referred to it as a cul-de-sac. And I honestly think and kind of hope that that changed that changes because look at the money to be made from this. <laughs> yeah. Look how happy, like, there's like I said, there's still gonna be a ton of people and those that are listening. I, I would like to think if you're at this point, you either really like our show, which thank you. Yeah. Or thank you, you also for like listening. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And also, or that you like the movie as well and you want to keep listening, like hearing what we got to say. But like it's just gonna be interesting to see what they do going forward. Yeah. Are they gonna commit? Or as some people are starting <laughs> starting to say, like, is the Snyder verse gonna be restored or are they still going to say, nope, we're going to go this direction or we're going to do that? It's just, it's that state of unknown. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet. And I'm sure we'll find out. But again, I hope that people are just not seeing something and getting concerned or worried until it you know becomes really big widespread information because one thing that dc has done is prove us wrong several times like every, everyone was upset about heath ledger being the joker uh yeah guess how that turned out everyone <laughs> was upset well not everyone but a good amount of people were unfairly upset about you know ben affleck being batman look at that how that turned out he's awesome as batman and if you disagree with me you're wrong but (laughs) (laughs) i know that that's not exactly subjective criticism but i don't care and (laughs) like i don't know i haven't seen dc fans as happy in such a long time it's been so refreshing like because i (laughs) just uh i guess like as i said a little inside baseball thing I legit get nervous whenever a DC movie comes out because I'm like, am I going to run defense for this movie? Because I'm like, unless it's like, I don't know, yeah, just almost like offensively bad. I usually end up kind of end up somewhat liking it, mm-hmm. but then I see like, oh, it's got bad reviews and everyone's going off about it. I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll just shut up over here and not talk about that movie because I ever bring it up. It causes this whole thing. I still remember the the palpable rage that most people expressed when Batman v Superman came out, which I understand some of that criticism, but people were so furious beyond belief. Oh, it's true. I mean, I remember, gosh, when Man of Steel came out, how angry people were. Oh, gosh, and, don't even get me started. <laughs> I, I just. It, so it's just. After all of that, like I said, little eight years of going on this borderline abusive relationship. uh, It's just nice to see like the DC. I mean, like I said, plenty of people probably still don't like it, but like that DC fans in general seem to be very happy with this. Yeah. And you're not going to win over everybody. Oh, absolutely not. But it's just nice to see like it's not the normal like. You see this like giant hate mob show up and it's just like, well, guess I'm going into hiding for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's like, mm, I don't want to talk about this movie. <laughs> like, okay, I'll just wait until you guys see it. Oh, it, yeah. it is refreshing. It's nice. It's a good change of pace. And in conclusion, I'm really hoping that, you know, like they, the Warner Brothers and everyone involved in these projects finds a track that works for them, finds a way to make all these things work. and. 
you know, find something that makes everyone happy as best as you possibly can. Again, because not everyone's going to be happy no matter what. I still know people that don't like The Dark Knight and that boggles my mind. But again, I'm also biased because it's my favorite movie. So (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. I hope that I would really like for Ray Fisher to come back as Cyborg, especially now after since we've seen, you know, like how much of an asset he was to this version of Justice League. It'd be really nice to see him back. But again, that's a whole other situation itself. I'm just hoping that they're able to make things work because I would like to see him return. And no, I agree in the future. You know, I'm excited for Andy Muschietti's flash movie because I feel like he's a great fit for that. <laughs> just saying like he, he is a great style for that kind of movie. And I'm excited to see what they do with Supergirl now that she's been cast officially. That's cool. Uh, again, they're giving, you know, young, new, young, different people. The chances to shine, and that's really cool. I'm hoping that everything comes together. And I'm excited for DC's future. And that's just really like, it's a big weight off my chest to just say. Yeah. And to know that uh, we now have a second example of fans of fans wanting something, getting it and people being happy about it. Yep. First, you know, the Sonic redesign. Now this. (laughs) Uh, I mean, sometimes things work out. Uh, Sasha Kaye is her name actually for Supergirl. I'm sorry. I just had to okay. get that out there. But she was so ecstatic when she got cast and Andy announced it to her, which is it's cool seeing people who care so much about these kinds of things being cast in these roles and being excited about it as we are. So, yes. Oh, it's awesome. I, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, I'm not bitter or cynical. I'm just I'm pleased. And it's nice. You know, after these kind of crazy years that we've been having, it's nice to have that reprieve where everyone just kind of gets on the same page about something, you know? Yeah. So that's true. I'm happy for Zack Snyder. I'm happy for everyone involved in this. And, you know, I'm going to rewatch this movie at some point in the near future and we'll go from there. But either way, guys, we are on Apple podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on breaker. We are on overcast. We are everywhere. You cannot hide from us. And we love your guys's feedback. We love hearing from you. We hope that you're enjoying these episodes as much as we enjoy making them for you. Yeah, and uh, we want to hear any and all feedback, good, bad, and ugly. And like we were saying, just share it with people that you think would also enjoy this. Even if like certain topics aren't your cup of tea, whether it be comics or wrestling or whatever it may be, share it with someone that actually does that does that you know does enjoy those topics and. Mm-hmm. maybe they might like what we're doing right and also another thing keep supporting your local comic book store if you have the ability to uh you know small businesses definitely need our business right now <laughs> and comic book like especially you know they're not the only ones out there but just don't forget about them please so <laughs> throwing yeah. that one out there for you guys either way i'm austin cook and i am caleb mclemore and we will see you guys soon see you guys <laughs>